Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to 100% Hits. Volume Pod, the podcast that looks at the greatest compilation series this country's ever produced, the 100% Hits compilation series. My name is Josh Earl, and this week, joining me, first time of the podcast, very special guest, please welcome, it's Dave Thornton. 100% jokes. 100% Oh, that's good. That'd yeah. be great. Nothing but jokes. Audience Never take me seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I've never guaranteed this before, and to be honest, I think after this podcast, I realise I can't well, back it up. Well, at the end of the podcast, we do go through, and you give it a, how many percentage out of the 100 Oh, of, of the songs So you can, I, I, Maybe I'll do that With the jokes I'll see how we go <laughs> oh, That's always great <laughs> Feed this out to Twitter And see its response 100% is big though Because we live in a world Of now rating systems Yeah Where five stars You think Okay well something's five stars Yes That's a lot So 100% 100% that, That's five stars on your Uber Every time Every time You've never See my Uber rating Is Started off low Because I think the first time I ever took an Uber The guy just gave me four stars I don't know what I did wrong so I was starting at four, oh. and then people don't pick you up. Oh, they don't. They they can see it's the star rating. Like, no, I'm not going to take that. This idiot's I not think worth it. Also, I, I got told that they give you a low rating if you're only going a short way, and that's the other because they don't know how far you're going. Yeah. And yeah, so if yeah, you go yeah. a lot of short ways, the Uber drivers so they can, can pretty much like talk to each other, go, give it a, give it a low rating so we know that this is only going to be a short ride. I mean, I've never returned that idea. I've never booked an Uber and then it comes up and it's 3.9. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Ca- yeah. Excuse me. I'm calling a cab now. <laughs> like, I, it, For all I know, it could have half a star rating. I've never checked it. Everyone gives five stars though to Uber rating. That's what I thought. Uber, unless it's really bad and then you give it one. There shouldn't, there shouldn't be two, three or four stars. It should be good, not good. That's it. That's all you need to do. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're cool with this. Um, we're talking about, this is the first time the 100% hit series has gone into Roman numerals. So it's... 100% hits 12, but it's X, XII. The rest of them just using the, the proper numbers. Jesus. Can I say proper numbers? I don't know if that's... I'm going to upset the Romans. Yeah, we're, wow, we're, so it's like it's maturing. Yes. So yeah. this is the four... The 12th. The 12th. Yeah. Uh, it's hitting puberty. So the, the year 100% is... 100% hits is... Year's 94. How wow. old were you in 94? You would have been like, what, turning 14, 15? Uh, 94, yes, because I was December 79, so yeah. realistically, so a month off the start of the 1980s. Yeah. So yeah, I would have been 14 at the end of that year, turning 15. Oh, you would have been all over these songs. Please. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. Well, at 14, what were you listening to? I was thinking 14, I still would have been a, a bodyboarding grommet. Yep. Because that's what happened in Geelong. You either played footy or you surfed. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of people going out the back, out the back. <laughs> totally, sets coming through, man. <laughs> and so at that time, I was still because we're, we're the same age. Yep. And it wasn't until I saw a documentary about this about music in the time. There really was. It was like punk uh, or rock and grunge and things like that. And then there was hip hop. Yep. And they didn't cross until new metal turned up. No. And that went Rage Against the Machine, but everything else was ratchet. Yes. And so I remembered listening to Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Red Hot Chili Peppers, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then I don't know, it felt like in my memory overnight, I was listening to Snoop Dogg and I was listening to all that. Was it like Cypress Hill, Snoop Dogg, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, but then it did err into, because I had a mate who was, well, a DJ, quote unquote, and he played some R&B stuff. So there was a little bit of R&B things See, in there. My one is, yes, the grunge, but I wasn't really into the grunge. And so it was Britpop. That was the first kind of scene where I'm like, this is the kind of music I like. And then that gotcha. melded into like American guitar, kind of indie rock stuff. Yep. And then not so much the hip hop for me at that age, but the almost like whatever EDM kind of Chemical Brothers, Left Field. I, I talk about this on the other podcast, but like... Uh, Aphex Twin, that kind of stuff. Yep. Until 2001 when The Strokes came out. I'm like, 
finally, there's some new music that I'm actually really into. Right, so you were just putting up with the other stuff. Yeah, it was almost like, <laughs> I, I remember being 18 going, I'm not sure, like I loved music. I'm, like, I'm not sure if I'm, I like new music though. Maybe I'm one of these guys who just likes old music and then, then it was like, oh no, I just had to wait. 12 months and then it was like going to be and then a whole bunch of bands that I was really into. Because that was that real thing with Triple J Top 100. It was all rock bands. Yep. Like musos, if you know them. And electronic music was nowhere near it. No. I remember because I used to, I studied to be a graphic designer and we would have Triple J obviously on. Yes. And then I remember Tupac came on on one bit and one guy was like, this is bullshit. Yeah. He was furious that Tupac, and I'm like, wait, I mean, Tupac, as he was dead, but well, was he dead? Yeah. But, <laughs> But, um, but yeah, and I said, well, no, this is great music. And he, yep. he was kind of livid at me because he knew I listened to that stuff. Listening back from doing this podcast, the hip-hop is so far advanced from the rest of the music, like what they're doing in the, in the studio, uh, like Dre and all that is like so far ahead of the game yeah. that I think for a lot of music listeners just couldn't comprehend it. It's like a painter using a colour no one's seen before going, what? What is this? I don't even I don't understand what this is. And then it takes a few years to, for the rest of society to kind of catch up and go, no, they were they were very very good. Yeah, it's funny listening to. For some reason, I re-listened to like Machine Gun Fellatio, and that was a time when indie bands like Regurgitator and things were like, oh, we may start using electronic music. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh wow, what a great time a fusion of of that stuff. And then when you listen to it, you're like, Oh my God, yeah. electronic music is literally something from MS DOS or something. Yeah. It sounds really bad. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to some of that electronic music <laughs> in this. Now we're doing side A. Okay. It's, it starts. Now this is a British group put together because they saw the success of another group. We're going to talk about uh, later in this episode. This is a band called eternal and this is their song. Stay. Not a fan? Alright, we'll turn that off. So that's uh, their first single. That's their debut single. It's funny looking back on it because I remember when... I mean, this was America was getting sold to Australia yep. around this time. And I think about this, everything from the 90s from America, it was like it was all good. Yep. Like there was no... Now, because of social media, you're getting everything about it. But back then, we just couldn't get enough of it. And our parents hated us for it. Yeah. They thought it was the end of our culture, of whatever Australia's culture it was. I remember my dad going crazy at me because I said but instead of bum. <laughs> and he was like, this American eyes. Oh, my. Yeah. And my mum's up for me. Goes, what do you want him to say, John? You want him to say ass? What do you want him to say? Like, uh, Coit. Yeah. <laughs> Sit on your dot. Yeah. And, and so this bands is- like that, they would. I'm very sure, Eternal, I don't know this, but I'm very sure that they were put together where some executive is like, people love this. Like, we'll get these girls, we'll run a competition, we'll get them all together, and then we will put these out. And You are so close here. So what it was, was a guy called Dennis Ingleby. Uh, he was a record executive. And Dennis he, Ingleby? Ingle, Ingoldsby. Ingoldsby, yeah. That's yeah. it. Uh, he saw her in Vogue in the States and said, UK got some good singers, got some uh, young, young women who can do this. So he said, let's, let's do it. And so he discovered these sisters, uh, Vernie and Esther Bennett. They were singing in a nightclub. And went, hey, I'm putting together a girl group. I think you'll both be great, the centerpieces. Yep. Then they found uh, another woman uh, called Louise, and she recommended her friend Kelly Bryan join the group. Okay, so Louise Nerding is her name. Uh, so this was their debut single. It got to number four on the charts. Not bad. From their album Always and Forever. It went four times platinum in the UK. That's a, that's a lot. So Always and Forever, and their opening song Stay. Stay, yeah, they had some trust issues. Didn't they? Uh, <laughs> So this uh, sold over f- the album sold over f- a million copies, uh, but it wasn't always and forever for Louise Nerding. She left after the first album to do a solo career. Ooh. She was the Chevy Chase of the group. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But she brought a friend Kelly on, 
Kelly was like, it was suggested to Kelly, hey, maybe you go with Louise and do a duo and we'll have two duos. And Kelly went, nah, I'm going to stick with the sisters. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay. And uh, yeah, so Louise went solo. Louise Nerding, like, you know that name. Oh, yeah, please. No. <laughs> like, she's, uh, she's got a career still. She's uh, kind of hosted a few, like, uh, UK, like... Top of the Pops. One of those, not Top of the Pops, but one of those, like, uh, dance shows where it's not, it's not Everybody Dance Now or one of the big ones. It's, like, just another dance, sure. dance show. Um, but then the uh, Bennett sisters, even though Kelly Bryan showed uh, some loyalty and she stayed, they sacked her from the group via fax from their solicitor. Facts from the solicitor. Not even them. The solicitor said, yeah, you're out of the group. (laughs) Legally speaking, we're no longer friends. Yeah. A reason they cited was a breakdown in professional relations. Absolutely. Yeah. And a fax came through. Fax. Like nothing, nothing was ever clear on a fax either. It was never, it was never a good kind of like reading of it. It Because my dad had a fax machine. And it was our way we, we could photocopy stuff. So we did a nice drawing. We'd, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you could fax it. We'd fax it to ourselves. Yeah. And uh, just turned up shit. You'd have to retrace it. Yeah, my dad, he ran a cleaning company. And yeah. this is how stingy my dad was because he'd clean banks. And then they were... Admittedly, this was the only thing he stole from a bank because all the fax paper would come through. But it's only one side has been used yeah. for their information. And they just put it in the bin. And he would pull it all out and be like, there you go. There's all your drawing paper. Oh, that's recycling. So we got secondhand fax paper. I thought you were going to say he stole all the pens. And that's why we now have chains on the pens in the bank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that was him. <laughs> and he did a heist. And he now lives in yeah. Brazil. <laughs> yeah, so that's Stay by Eternal. Oh, wow. That's all right. And they did none of this. It was never Eternal. They no, did not Stay. No. It wasn't always and forever. Yeah, you, Nothing you, they were doing, they were selling. <laughs> All right, we're moving on. Now, we talked about this group last week. Uh, this is Jeanne, spelled Z-H-A-N-E. Cool. This is the follow-up to Hey Mr. DJ, which was a huge song. Was any of the vowels, did they have umlauts or anything they on did. top of the it? The E did, yeah. Yes! Yeah. Jeanne, this is from their album, pronounced Jeanne. It's called Groove Thang. Well, it's a groove thing. It's got a funky sway. Well, it's a groove thing, a groove thing. I've got to be honest, I prefer this one. Yeah. Yeah. To the song we just heard before. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I do like that high organ. That yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. All right, so that's that's Groove Thang. Those high organs, and I know this was started from Dr. Dre, because when people ask what generation are you, if you're Y or if you're X, you're like, yeah. G-Funk. Yeah. <laughs> that is exactly our age. All right, so uh, this song, uh, Cameo by Naughty by Nature. They, yes. Uh, in the end. Yep. Great. This got to 17 in Australia and also in the US. Uh, so they got signed by Motown Records off the back of the success of Hey Mr. DJ, which is their debut single. Uh, Motown Records, huge history. This yeah. stage, they were doing okay. They had bands like Boys to Men and Johnny Gill. Oh, yeah. Yep. Hit the floor? Hit is the that floor, right? yeah. Everybody yes. hit the floor, yep. Um, but they had a bunch of internal problems. So they got bought out by MCA Records and... After, I think, 12 months, Motown tried to sue MCA Records, their bosses, saying you were neglecting us, which is, even if you win that, you've, you've lost. Yeah. Like, after that, MCA are like, fuck it. I'm not, we're not going to put any effort into you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I've heard it was throughout the years, Motown, because it did promote African-American performers. It was a real shit show. Like, throughout the years, they really, like, and flogged their performers and yeah. really went hard at them. Yeah. Uh, so, so, Barry Gordy from Motown had, had given up the, like the name Motown to other people, and it was, it was with Barry Gordy. You can look into his story. Yeah. Uh, the worst thing he ever did was he um, was the either father or grandfather of Red Flu. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of a lot of artists getting fucked. And over. And I did laugh myself, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of artists getting fucked over. But then uh, his predecessors were also not very good, and also not good business. At least Barry Gordy was a good business person. Oh yeah, right. Maybe not to his artists, but like kept the brand afloat. So. 
Jeanne, this is so this song. I, I don't mind this song; it's a fine song. But this is something I think both of us will uh, appreciate. They were featured on the NBA's 50th anniversary CD compilation. Yes, this was a CD compilation that mixed hip hop and R and B songs, mixed with clips of commentary from historic moments in the NBA. Who the fuck is listening to that? Like who's Sweet Fusion? Who's putting on a CD and then you just hear Marv Albert just going? Like, oh, steal by bird. <laughs> it's like, Jordan and yes. <laughs> Bang. Yeah, you're bringing yeah. a date home going, this yeah. is going to be a sure thing. Like, listen to this. It is that thing like skits on hip hop albums. The first time you listen to it, going, oh, okay, this is like Kanye West on uh, College Dropout has a couple of skits on there. Yes. No one's listening to those skits anymore. Man, I was only listening to that recently because I saw a Kanye documentary and it was the same. I was like, man, this is this feels like... Remember on The Simpsons, the B-sharps? Yeah. Where they go, let's name ourselves something that people find slightly funny and then it wears out every time that you hear it. And that's what it's like. Yeah. It's got that, wake up, Mr. West. Yeah. But is that the Finding Jesus? Not Finding Jesus. Is that Jesus? Uh, yes, I, I think been, so. I've been talking to Lexi like pretty much every day for the last week, so that's why I said Finding Jesus. Go, go watch Finding Jesus. Uh, but Jesus, oh, it's, it's such a great documentary. Yeah, because also you just forget like it's just his ascension and how it all went. And, you know, at least it, it somewhat uh, answers how yeah. it all went wrong. There's, a, there's an amazing scene where the guy who's making the documentary, who pretty much spotted him and went, I'm going to do whatever I can to help you become great. And then they see after like the success of the first album has released, even though this guy's lived in his pocket for like three and a half years, mm. he forgets, the, like Kanye forgets the guy's name and says it wrong like four times in an interview and it's just yeah. like oh mate this is this is heartbreaking like yeah and it's funny seeing Kanye as he is literally trying to bust down the doors of the record companies and yep. he's going into their office now when I say offices you might think people live in an ivory tower when they're in entertainment no they're just in offices yep. and you could imagine someone walking into your office whatever you do for a day job and just going all right <clears throat> and yeah. they're just starting to rap You'd be like, okay. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, you know, like with rock stars, I always think when they, they don't do it as much anymore, but like the, the shirt used to be unbuttoned down to the navel kind of yep. thing. It's like, yeah, that, that looks cool when it's Michael Hutchins. Like, you know, you go, that looks really cool. Hutchinson? Hutchinson. Yep. Um, and, <laughs> but then you think, yeah, but the schmo on the street looks like a moron. Yeah. And when you see people do that and you could say, is it arrogance? But you're like, you're a nutter until you pull that off. Yeah. And then it's like, oh yeah, he always knew he was great. You're like, yeah, but then there's a hundred other guys who have done that and everyone's gone, can you please leave now? Yeah. <laughs> there's a, the documentary Dig, which is about the Danny Warhols and the Brian Jonestown massacre. Oh, yeah. And the guy from uh, Brian Jonestown massacre, Anton, he goes into the record label playing guitars and saying, I'm about to make everyone in here a million dollars. And it is, this is a guy who looks like he's just walked in from the street with a guitar. And yes, he's very prolific. He writes a lot of songs. Yeah. But uh, not not the safest bet to put your money on imagine, Brian Jonestown Massacre. Imagine us doing it. Oh. Turning up to Netflix. What do you do for a living? Just watch me riff. Watch me riff. <laughs> what do you do? I work at Netflix. You're into my fucking office. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice face, idiot. Yeah, yeah, there's more where that came from. Let's go. All right, moving on. We're going back to the UK. This is a band. We talked about them with John Pinder. This is D-Ream and their song, You Are the Best Thing. You're the best thing. <laughs> You're the best thing. Get to the chorus. 
I feel like that would win Eurovision now. <laughs> so it's it's unfortunate because it's almost like they're writing "You Are the Best Thing" about their previous song. Things can only get better because this is quite the drop off in terms of quality. Yeah, I do remember that song, and it made me realise with these three songs lined up, the nineties was a very factual time. Yeah. Like each is opened with the name of their song going, see, you've gotten it in the first eight seconds. <laughs> so I feel bad for Dream though, because all anyone wants to talk about now is how uh, Professor Brian Cox was a member of the band. Oh, uh, yeah. But he wasn't really a member of the band. He was a member of the touring band. But oh. the actual band was just two guys, Peter Cunner and Al McKenzie. And poor Al McKenzie doesn't even have his own Wikipedia page. But Brian Cox is everyone. Oh, Dream Brian Cox. It's like no, he just he didn't even play on the on the records. He just played touring because Peter Cunner couldn't play all the all the keyboards when they were touring. Oh, so he was a ring in. He was a fill in. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So not not even a session musician, just a someone who played. And and you reckon they were a bit like, yeah, mate. I don't. Yeah, the universe is always expanding. Yeah, great chat, man. We're getting the groupies (laughs) to come in. (laughs) Uh, But. don't feel too bad because Peter Cunner, he, he's continued a career in music. After the Dream was over, he went on oh, no. to, yeah, thank you, to be a songwriter for other artists, most notably Steps of 5678 oh. fame. Yeah. Now, he didn't write 5678, but he did write one of their songs called Baby Don't Dance, which I don't know the song. I don't really know. But it did make, I saw it made their greatest hits compilation. So he would have got paid pretty well for that. Yeah. Yeah. So he was, he was a producer and he played. Uh, Song wrote the song and also played on the on the record, so getting paid three times for the one song. Now that's where the money is. That's what you want to do, yeah. If you can be one of those kind of crazy Swedish producers who just puts out dance songs, because I was listening to the um, Casio keyboard going nuts, then I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. If you wrote that and you've got those kind of tunes in your head, yeah, you're making money for the rest of time. Yeah, on on the other podcast, Pod Machine, we do a lot of talking about Dennis Pop, who is from Sharon Records, the Swedish music house that. Did all the like Ace of Bass yep. and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's that same thing. All those guys come from metal though. They're all metal guys who just know how to pick riffs and yeah. go, oh, that could make a nice pop song. I saw a documentary about it and it's hilarious, isn't it? Because it's these guys in black t-shirts yeah. with hair down to the back, the small of their back yeah, and just going, yeah, like, oh yeah, I just figured this was a good melody yeah. and you could play it out. And The guy who wrote um, the Pink song, um, I'm a... What's it, the one that goes like that's he wrote that as a metal riff and went oh maybe we'll slow it down and, and then Pink heard it and he was just an assistant for uh, Dennis Pop no, no maybe it wasn't Dennis Pop at that stage maybe it was uh, the other big guy Max uh, and he just said oh he's got something and Pink went yeah let's let's do a song and then she he said in half hour she wrote the lyrics and then they had a a hit number one song Children of Abba. Yeah. They've all come through yeah. and gone, okay, let's make some sweet music. So this D-Ream, this feels very Euro trash. It's Northern Ireland. It's Northern Ireland. Yeah. Because it feels like, um, yeah, it was late 90s when everyone just went, they were all wearing shiny stuff. Probably Eckies were coming on the scene. Yeah. People just want some fast music. Well, you see, it's interesting because the Hacienda was huge. We might talk about the, will we talk about the Hacienda in this uh, one? Yes, we will at the last one. But um, so that was the Manchester nightclub that so many kind of great bands kind of came out of. So yeah. all these kind of guitar bands were going there and discovering rave, rave music as well and kind of the combining of the two. So you get like bands like the Stone Roses and the Happy Mondays who were kind of essentially guitar bands but also right. had a groove that you could dance to. Yeah, yeah, and okay. So this is kind of off the back of that kind of scene. Like, yeah, the Hacienda was kind of a, a dying breed in by 94. Yeah. Because I'm trying to think in my mind, and I haven't seen the f- clip for this, I've only ever heard it. It's a guy in a suit and his shirt lapel is over the suit. Oh. You know that look? On, Where- on the cover, he's got it tucked in. Oh. I'm sorry. That could have been maybe a couple of years after that. It, it was a very cool look. Yeah. Well, you're lucky... Shirts were not not option. Shirts were optional in the nineties <laughs> for a lot of men in these songs. Didn't need. They had a jacket or a vest. Oh, didn't, absolutely. Didn't need the shirt though. Vest, no shirt. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Eurodance, this is some absolute Eurodance. We're going to Sweden now, and this is Melody MC, and the follow up to Dum to Dum. This is I Wanna Dance. <laughs> Thank you. 
I thought it was Fred Durst. Yeah. <laughs> See, I love this where they really do spoon feed you. This is a dance song. We're going to say dance. And every time they say dance, the emphasis is so much louder than the other words that they're saying in the sentence. Yeah. And it feels like when you hear those European raps, it significantly is their second language. Yeah. <laughs> like they are just going through it, just going, what words rhyme yeah. in English? Cool. Let's put it together. So there's a... Female vocals on this, so doing the big chorus. That that's uh, Loretta Sungren is who's doing the vocals there. Okay. In Sweden, this song did better than their first uh, single, "Dum to Dum." Uh, <laughs> this got to six, whereas "Dum to Dum" got to seven. In Australia, this song got to number twenty-one. Okay. So, so Australia, what I'm finding with all these kind of Euro dance songs, Australia is the only other market that they do well in outside of that Europe kind of market. Oh yeah. So didn't really do anything in America. Like, like, the Asian market, no, but Australia was bang into we some, ch- which I think also goes to why we love Eurovision as well. Yeah, it's the ABBA principle again. It's like yeah. we just ate it up with yeah. a spoon. Yeah. So, I say this falls into the great genre of songs, which they know they know their market. They know this is going to be played in dance clubs, so we'll sing dance in it. Yeah. It's like when bands will sing about. <laughs> Like the radio Because they know Oh this will get played on radio Yes Yeah So I, I think If you are out there And you're a musician And you want to get A big song Now Write about TikTok Do something that's Relevant to TikTok I don't know what it is I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. a 41 year old man Spotify I, yeah. yeah But like it's a thing Because that's where Everyone's listening to songs On TikTok Yep Like my kids are listening to songs Some of them are quite good I'm like how did you hear About this song And they're like Oh it came up on a YouTube short Which is pretty much Just TikTok, TikTok videos Yeah Yeah yep. That's, that's and the, then that's yeah, the check it on the reels and see how it goes. I mean, those <laughs> the gruff dude who's rapping his whole way through. Yeah, it's. I mean, what a great trope through the nineties that was. Yeah, like Europe loved a bit of that. Oh, every band seemed to have like a white rapper in them. If you're coming out of like that Euro dance kind of thing. Yeah, and I wonder what happened to them once that style of music kind of went. Out. It's a bit like you know, for a while there, every kind of newish metal band had a turntablist and then they're like no we don't need someone scratching and then they all transitioned into just playing keyboards <laughs> i want to know what happened to these guys adapt or survive mate that's what you gotta do all right moving on actually i oh know we'll move yeah this is a song that look a lot of parents will know this song from the movie madagascar but this is the original this is real to real featuring the mad stuntman and this is I like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. Very weird song to put in a kids movie. <laughs> Josh, uh, yes, you, you're killing me, mate. Because this is you're right. Because of Madagascar, yeah, and the daycare my kids went to. This was their cleanup song. Oh, and really? They could not get enough of it. If I was driving them <laughs> or picking them up from daycare, so this is on high rotation on my Spotify, and I fucking hate it. Is it still played at your kids' daycare? No, they have moved on, and I've noticed now, especially as the oldest one, my oldest is now six. She's listening to more music, so it's. It's just buried yep. underneath the other options and I don't want to bring it up again because I hate this song. Well, 
good good for you because this is the story of the song. So this is Real to Real, which is DJ Eric Murillo. He had other pseudonyms. These are all his pseudonyms he's performed under. Okay. Ministers de la Funk. The Drones, with a Z. Sick. Raw, all in capitals. Yep. Smooth Touch. Mm-hmm. RBM. Deep Soul. Club Ultimate. And Lil Mo Ying Yang. So he is... A three-time winner of the Ibiza's, uh, Ibiza yeah. DJ Awards for Best House DJ and also three-time winner of Best International DJ all different years he's won these. So six, six years he's won DJ Awards at the DJ Awards. I feel like he's a construction company that keeps folding so that no one can come back to them and say, hey, I've got a claim on you. You're like, yeah, that business doesn't exist anymore. Raw's not a person anymore. I'm whatever it was, the drones. Yeah. <laughs> he just keeps reinventing himself. So he, he's American, but this song did not... Do well in America in the pop charts. Oh, I didn't. Did very well in the UK though, where it got to number five and uh, got to top 10 in 16 other countries. Australia was one of them. Uh, Mixer magazine said this is part Euro cheese, part pop A&R man's wet dream. There's a bit of that. It feels like there's kind of a Caribbean influence there, yeah, which yeah. Europeans love that stuff. Yeah. So in the uh, Madagascar version, Sasha Baron Cohen sings it, not the mad stuntman, but Marillo is... Uh, Produces a song on like oh, went in there, so Cha-Ching got paid twice for that gig. Well, I mean, I, if I was in that situation and I'd written a song, maybe a bit of a one-hit wonder like that, and then they want to use it in some Pixar yeah. film or kids thing, I'd be absolutely. I will yep. turn up when you need me there. Ab- yeah, because so, this will be on high rotation. The kids will go nuts for it, which I know personally. And all right, you're so, making money. So this is where uh, the story takes an unfortunate turn. All right. And it's not just Sasha Baron Cohen putting on an Indian accent no. for that. <laughs> no. For the animal he plays in Madagascar. So Eric Murillo, Murillo in 2020 was arrested and charged with sexual assault and battery. Yeah. His accuser said she went back to his house after a club night, had a drink, passed out, woke up naked, and then uh, he was also naked standing over her. Eey. Rape test confirmed his DNA was inside of her. Oh. He denied it, but his lawyer said, turn yourself in. Once this made news, nine other women came forward mm. and said, yep, s- similar story. And on September 1, at age 49, Murillo found dead in his home from a mixture of ketamine, MDA, MDMA, cocaine, and he had COVID the week before. He'd gone for it, hadn't he? Mm. So there you go. I mean, not, I'm, I'm talking about the suicide. So yeah. That's, I'm not making light of any of that situation because that is heartbreaking. But So listeners, please, if you, have, if you have COVID, don't take ketamine the week after. Yeah. <laughs> not, a, not a cure. No. I feel like that is something that Trump would have recommended. <laughs> Get some horse trank into you. Yeah. God. <laughs> That's okay. That's another reason to not play there to you my go. children. There you go. So tell if if the childcare plays again, say, hey, do you know the story behind this song? Whoa. Maybe you don't play it. Yeah. What? Can't get your R. Kelly CDs out of the car? <laughs> What's going on? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got some Rolf Howard. No, no, no. So 100% hits already. We're looking at 90% hits. I think that one's striked. That, that one's, one's taken yeah. it down. I mean, what's funny is 100% hits, but every time you say, look, it reached number 17 yeah. on the charts, you're like, that doesn't feel like the, <laughs> like the place for 100% hits. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back after these messages. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back with... I reckon a song that you would know. You would have heard this song playing on the radio, playing on some TV shows. Okay. This is a Sydney band. Even though all four members are Samoan and Maori, they formed in Sydney. This is Culture, spelled K-U-L-C-H-A. And their hit, Shaka Jam.
tell you what, that should have been released with uh, announcements mixed in from the NBL. I was going to say, I have not heard a song that screams to be played over a highlights package for the NBL before more than this. This is so like, although... Yeah, Leon Trimmingham just dunking on people's heads. I was always going to say it's the NBL, so you'd only be able to have the dunks in the chorus because there wouldn't be that many dunks you actually show unless you're going to show the warm-up ones, but yeah. Hey, shout out to Culture because when you line that up against D-Ream or whatever that other Swedish one yeah. was, you go, that's pretty good. Stands up. Stands yeah. up. Now, um, I'm not going to talk about the band though because this was also, it was a top 10 song here, by the way, this song, uh, in here and New Zealand. But it also featured in the show Heartbreak High, which is what I do want to talk about. Oh, please. Yeah, of yeah. course. Especially now. Yeah, I know. Heartbreak High is big news on Netflix. Huge. Now, for the, this is a huge show on Netflix, but it started from a film called The Heartbreak Kid. Yes, Alex Dimitriatis. Claudia Carvin. And so this is, the if you've never seen the film, it's a lovely, wholesome film. Story of a teacher falling in love with one of their students. And despite protests from families and co-workers and maybe the law, they have a relationship. <laughs> And it ends, it ends with them saying, her saying, hey, I've just broken up with my fiancé, but I'm going to go and study at uni, but I will wait for you for one year. So it's textbook grooming. What the fuck was wrong with Australia in the 90s? That That's that was a, a film that we were like, oh, yeah, what a great film. Because I will concede I've never seen it. I, w- I will point out to the listener who have not seen it. Uh, it's Claudia Carvin is the teacher. Alex Dimitriatis is the student. Yeah, yeah. What was his whole thing? Like, oh, I love you, baby. Like, he's, yeah. <laughs> that was what was always played on ads when they were trying to promote the film. So he was a, he was a very charismatic but troubled student. Isn't that funny? Like, that has not aged well, has it? Has it has not aged well. And the no. heartbreak kid. The heartbreak kid, Like, yeah. they even saw it like, oh, he's going to break some hearts, this oh, barely legal man. It's so weird. So, but the TV show, Heartbreak High, was made from that. Didn't run with that storyline. No, there was barely any connection. Well, there wasn't. Well, and there then, was because he was in the show. Oh, he was at the start. Because it started off as a Channel 10 show and then yeah. it moved over to the ABC. Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. Yeah, because that was, that was very 90s. Because like, a lot of guys rollerblading around at that oh, time. And they were, they were pretty cool. Bernie was a rollerblading town. It's so funny. The, the town that I grew up, people didn't really skateboard. We all rollerbladed. But you'd go... Half hour any direction, and the kids in those towns would be skateboarding, going, "What are you doing, fucking rollerblading? <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, is- fucking Jurassic man, Jurassic." <laughs> <laughs> like if you think about, because you and I are about the same age, yeah. we really are a generation of all the in between things. Yeah, you know, it's like our parents, right, listened to records and and like that. They probably skateboarded in the seventies and did all this kind of stuff. Our generation was like you, you bodyboarded, yep. which very quickly everyone went, what are you doing? Get back to on a surfboard. Yep. We had eyebrow rings and everyone was like, take it off. We rollerbladed. <laughs> we listened to mini discs. Like it was always the things that came along and they were like, this is progress. And we all went and we embraced it. And yep. v- just as quickly, you, you basically laced up your rollerblades and everyone went, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> they went out just as quick. Yeah. So... So, this, so I forgot that it made the change from Channel 10 to the ABC. So the Channel I. 10 one was Alex Dimitriatis. Uh, a, a, the bad character in that was Rivers. who yeah, uh, that's right. Guy with long hair who went on to be in Neighbours or Home and Away. He was on there for years and years and years. Yeah. And then they went to uh, ABC and ABC um, had Drazik, yep. Anita, yep. Ryan with his big lips and... Uh, Aiden Nicodemus' character, I can't remember. There was a great scene where Anita and Drazzy have a fight in the pool shark. Yeah. They have Mark O'Kane underneath it. It's a great scene. But it was, this is, like, and I think this is why the Netflix series is so popular now as well. In Australian TV, this was quite a diverse casting for Australia at that time. Yes. Heartbreak Because it was based in, I think it was inner West Sydney or the west, the west of Sydney. Yep. Yeah. And it really... Like, because there was Vietnamese characters uh, in the original ones as well, and it was like it was, it was really good. I'm gonna say, yeah. And I do remember it was like you know it aired with the Degrassi Junior High kind of area yeah. where you were also. It's funny because there were lessons learned. There was always those episodes of maybe someone getting pregnant as a teenager or whatever. But then you find it when you're a teenager. That was the closest thing you could get to anything risky. Yeah, so you're watching it like wait a minute, they just had sex. And oh, I've got funny feelings. And it was, but you're right. It was very diverse. And uh, yeah, I, I like I genuinely remembered enjoying it. Like through the nineties, you were well into it. Yeah, 
And it was diverse in a way that it wasn't like patronizing. It wasn't going, hey, we've got, and we're going to learn about their culture. It was like, no, they're just a character. They're just like any other character on the show. It's just their. Yeah, they didn't turn up for one episode. Yeah. And be like, okay, we learned that lesson. See you, mate. All right, moving on. Look, I don't want to give too much away, but I reckon this could be the best song on this side. This is Salt and Pepper and On Vogue, and they hit What a Man. Whatever you want to say, and I know that Josh and I probably sound now like we're on a hen's night after a couple of Chardonnays, but this is good times. It is good. So this was, uh, it's funny, so both bands, both Salt and Pepper and On Vogue released this on their own like albums. Oh, wow. So it was released first through um, On Vogue on their uh, Runway Love EP. Mm-hmm. And then Salt and Pepper were on that; they were featured. And then Salt and Pepper did another version where they did another rap on it, like just another verse, and then released it on their own, uh, their own one. So we're playing the radio edit, which is what they played on the uh, compilations. That's what a man. Even though it says Salt and Pepper on Vogue, that's how it's built. I think this is the on Vogue version. But listeners, if I'm wrong, please correct me. But it's it's the same version they played on the actual compilation. Right. Yeah. I mean, you think about it at that time because it's when so rap was coming through, and there were it probably wasn't as misogynistic, if that is a word, as it was getting. Yeah, I mean, pretty bad. NWA were coming can. out, uh, and so, but this was like even this got uh, kind of some backlash because they were like, really? yeah, because they were going, oh, it's just like trying to appease men saying what a man and there's even because there's lyrics in it kind of saying oh isn't he good he stuck around and people going is that is that how low the bar is (laughs) you got pregnant and the guy stuck around is that what a man and there's also a line in there which talks about uh he's not running around over town and then um bringing that home to the neighborhood and it's almost like saying and someone i think looked into it too much and was like going oh so he is running around over town but because he's not talking about it in the neighborhood that's okay and I was like, I don't think that's what they mean. I think they're just trying to find rhymes for their couplets. Uh, yeah, exactly. But Seeing how it all phonetically works yeah. and going, yep, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, so this was a major hit for both. It peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100, number seven in the UK, number six on the singles charts. Uh, and this is certified platinum and was also nominated for a Grammy Award for Best R&B Performance by a duo or group. Fair enough. And the American Music Award for Best Soul and R&B Single. Also, VH1 has ranked it number 23 in the greatest songs of the 90s. I mean, you could even hear from that production, also the lead-up was you'd hear Casio's twinkling away and you would hear really bad electronic beats and then you hear that and the trumpets are going and you're hearing it all thinking, yeah, this sounds, the production sounds great. yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've told the story. Both these bands have been on these compilations so much <laughs> right. that I've told the story. So we don't, I don't think we need to go back into so it other than to say... They're on a hot streak, were they, through the Great, noise. yeah. Great, great. Two great groups come together. It's great. All right. Speaking of great things coming together, our old mates, Mr. Demas and Mr. Pliers. We've talked about them a lot before, but this <laughs> is their take on a classic. It's Twist and Shout. Come on, 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 come on,
Wow. Kristen Chat. So, um, you know, the Beatles made that song popular. They didn't write the song. I didn't know that. I thought that it was a Beatles original, but it wasn't. It was first um, made popular by the Isley Brothers. Um, okay. But, but it, they didn't even write it. They just, it was, uh. you know, back in the 60s when people were just doing songs, and these are popular songs, the Isley Brothers. And then the Beatles played it on the Ed Sullivan show. And it changed music forever. I watched that Ed Sullivan performance last night doing research into this. Have you ever seen it? Oh, well, I'm surprised you do research for this, but yeah, go. <laughs> <laughs> no. What? No, I haven't seen it, but I know that it is it, a real well, seminal performance. It's the one that they say, this, this changed, broke the Beatles in America, changed music forever. And it literally is, every time Paul McCartney hits his high notes, yeah. the girls in the audience lose their minds. And every time John shakes his hair, they've fainting go oh he's done it again and it's like it was they were so repressed as a society that this was like liberating going oh my goodness a man has floppy hair and he's shaking it around and it's like incredible although the the band they they play very well they're very good and uh john and i mean paul and george sharing a microphone is always a great great sign isn't it funny because it's all relative isn't it because they were just seen as long-haired hooligans yep (laughs) <laughs> um, the Beatles version Also uh, A one take wonder From John He only did it the one time Twist and share Yep Okay Yep They um, recorded it once He wanted to go again But he uh, threw his voice out Because he Because oh, his voice is real raspy on his yeah, yeah Yeah He really, he really uh, yells it um, But he wasn't happy with it And then he heard it They went Oh it's fine Just we'll go with that one That's fine <laughs> I guess uh, So this was Also uh, Salt and Pepper did a version of this In 89 as well So this isn't that long after that Really? Yeah. And can we talk about a man who named himself Pliers? <laughs> yeah. Jeez, <laughs> he missed his time, didn't he? Imagine well, in the Bunnings era, how much that guy's <laughs> making in sponsorship. <laughs> Do you know those Bunnings ads? If you're because they they cast actual workers. Yeah. You only get paid what you normally get paid if you're working. No. At yeah. You don't get any extra money. That's actually shit. You don't have to go to work that day, but they just pay you your day rate. And they said, if you can go on another ad and beat it by 10%, yeah. <laughs> we'll match it. That's, that is actually crap. It is, isn't it? Yeah. That's really shit. Because a friend of mine's dad retired and then got a job at Bunnings, like a lot of people do. And um, I love the old man at Bunnings. Yeah. He's, he's having a lot of fun. Yeah. They, they offered him the ads because his son works in um, film and television. Mm. He said, oh, is this a good deal to his son? He said, no, you should be getting proper rates. Like, and hey. went, no, I'm not going to do it. Jill, I'm throwing this out right now, and this is literally the first time it's occurred into my head. But I, I reckon if we record it, right, it's our uh, intellectual property. IP, yep. For a retirement plan for us comedians, because social media is so big, could you do like the social media version of Bunnings, where people turn up and always like, "Man, I got a Saturday afternoon. I want to do some posts," and you and I come in. We go, "Oh yeah, yeah, mate, yeah do you want to do you want a bit of make it a bit fun? Do you want to make it a bit of like we just jazz things up? Because you're a great writer as well. You could like." You know, help oh. people out with this? Yeah. Because I'm just thinking, it's, what do we do when we're 65? Do you know what my friend, my friend Zane told me what his dad's done. Yeah. He, he's from Tassie. Yeah, right. Dad retired. He's dad, very smart, canny guy. Always was though. He bought property, like just vacant land down there. He just put storage units on them. Man, storage units. And is he's smart. making a mint. Started off with like 12 storage units. Got, went like that. Yeah. Got to 36. Done. Now he's... In the hundreds. Wait, is this in Bernie? No, it's it's about forty minutes out of Bernie. But <laughs> some dead bodies in there. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's like he's just got, and he goes, "I've just got to get security cameras. We'll fence it round. People can get in, get out. You twenty four seven. I don't look what's in there. They put whatever. Oh. And it's like he's just making money doing nothing. Sure, but that is Breaking Bad. Yeah. Right there. there is so much stuff happening there. But he's making money. You're right. Storage units is where his money. Yeah. I reckon car parks and storage units. You don't need to clean them. People and just people things just sit there. Uh, at Melbourne at Melbourne Airport, every car park is getting for the dollar is ninety percent profit for Man. every single car park at that's, the That's what I mean. Like what do you do? You you maybe sweep a car park once a month. And just make sure it's all okay. It does nothing. You don't the upkeeps Minimal. Got to get into the concrete game. Just get some concrete. Pay, <laughs> pave some work. Where did this come from? I don't know. From Chuckademus suppliers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is it Chuckademus? Chuckademus. So C H A K A C H A K A space Demus D E M U S and pliers. 
That does feel like a sentence my father would have said to me when we were working in the garage and I have no idea what tools are. <laughs> Chuck is the demons implies. What, what's the demons? You don't know anything, kid. <laughs> All right, moving on. Now, we mentioned uh, Kevin Ta- Tevin Campbell two weeks ago. Uh, with <laughs> Kevin Ke- Tamble is a fair yeah, enough Ke- name. <laughs> like, I know that was a mistake, but that feels like a more legitimate name than Tevin Campbell. Now, we talked about Can We Talk? I Can't. Uh, and this is, <laughs> this is his song. You follow up to that called I'm Ready. Here we go. Yeah, oh, Devin. Produced by Quincy Jones, okay. uh, Prince was also a producer of this song. Wow. Yeah. Written by Babyface. Clearly, they were like... Man, that's a big... Some big, Yeah. That's some big names. They were like, this kid could be like a Stevie Wonder type yeah. kid, but just didn't, uh, didn't quite go that way for Tevin Campbell. So, this was, he was 19. He was kind of a teen kind of star. What happened with TC? How did he age? Well, not great. But, okay. you know, he, he's, he's out there right now. Now, we talked about... Two weeks ago, like he obviously was dealing with some things with his sexuality. He's come out now. Okay. Which is great. And I think this could be the start of the Tevinacence. We could be getting <laughs> getting there. But he, I didn't say this last last time. He played, this is, he was on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air playing a character called Little T, who is the celebrity crush of Ashley, the younger girl on the thing, yeah. in the first season. Okay. So he comes on the show. Yep. Played by Tevin Campbell, playing a character called Little T. Yeah. Two episodes later, on the show, Will threatens to rip up Ashley's Tevin Campbell posters because he's angry at it. So, in the Fresh Prince world, yeah. there is Little T, who looks just like Tevin Campbell, and also Tevin Campbell, and Ashley is a fan of both of them, and they never mention when Tev- when Little T's on the show, you know you look like Tevin Campbell. Yeah. It is like the writers were not in the same room going, hey, we just had Tevin Campbell on. Maybe change the poster yeah. to someone else. Put it, put it, make it Johnny Gill. Make it, uh, make it Boys to Men. Yeah, what is happening? It's a weird... I mean, Quincy Jones was, pro- was in both, like, a foot in each camp there. He was, like, producing Tevin Campbell. He was also right. a producer of that show. So he was just like, I think, get this kid on screen somehow. Push somewhere. him up, drop his name in. As much as possible. Yeah, we'll try and get it, yeah. Holy shit. So this was from his album, I'm Ready. So this was the titular uh, song. Uh, we talked about how he was like wanting to go be an adult now. So talking about more adult themes. So this, was not, this is him breaking out. This is 94. It? So five years later, he'd released another album. Didn't do well. Didn't oh, do well. Poor God. And then in July of 99, he was arrested uh, for soliciting a lewd act from an undercover police officer in a sting operation in California. Uh Apparently, he was outside of elementary school, so their primary school. And uh, I don't like what this is. There'd been a few complaints from the public about cruising and solicitation in the area. And so, unfortunately, Tevin Campbell um, was arrested. They found a small possession of marijuana on him at the time, which is this is the 90s. This is a young black man in America. It's not good. Luckily, he didn't have to do any jail time. But he did have to go to Narcotics Anonymous and pay a $1,080 fine. Okay. Yeah. But there was like, so he wasn't out at this stage. They were like, you know, clearly trying to sell him as teen heartthrob. And this is, nah, no more Tevin, no more more career for you, unfortunately. Right. The cruising thing's a bit crook, but yeah, um, a lot crook. Okay, right. So, but he, he's out now? Is he's Tevin? out. He, yeah, he came Great. out last year. Oh, congratulations, Tevin. Yeah. And uh, people still, like, in the industry, respect his 
vocal achievements and say he, well, yeah. he can really, really sing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we'll see. Watch this space. Maybe Tevin Campbell will come back. All right. Last song. Here we go. This is, oh, some house music now. This is a band or a group called K-Class and their banger. Sorry. Let me show you. That's a warehouse party. Yeah. In the absolutely. 90s. Yep. That is really, compared to all the other ones too, the other songs we've just listened to, you're like, oh, that's a bit tween, a bit poppy. That one's like, no, no, no. People are sweating balls and they've just taken a couple of hits of um, ecstasy. Yeah. So these uh, British DJs, mainly known for their remixing work. Yep. So they've been Grammy nominated for their remixing work. Uh, so this is a group that also formed at the Hacienda Nightclub. So they were listening and going, we could do this. Let's let's do music like this. And you can really hear it. It's dance music mixed with soul. It's all the trademarks there. Uh, so this got to number 13 on the charts in the UK. Okay. Got to number 18 in Australia. Uh, we didn't like it as much. No, but, you know, they would have still got a fair bit of money from this song. Yep. Do you want to know what they did with it? <laughs> Go on. What, what do you reckon a band like this would have done with their money? <laughs> I reckon they bought a shack in Ibiza and they just cooked themselves. Close. They bought an underground bunker in Wales. <laughs> Close. Yep. So they put an unused mine shaft in Wales and went for it. It was was once used by the Royal Observer Corps. So just like yeah, and they now that is their recording studio. So they did it. So okay. They mainly are most successful for uh, remixing other artists. So this is some of the artists that they've done, done remixing work for. So Bobby Brown. Janet Jackson, Luther Vandross, New Order, Rihanna, The Cause, and Whitney Houston. Wow, all those people have come to their bunker in Wales and gone. Hey, yeah, what do you reckon? But it's it's also, so all these acts as well. This is when like this is early nineties when the CD single or the maxi single <laughs> had. This is the song. This is the radio edit, and here's eight other versions where we've just like put a dance beat under it, or we've got a fucking siren going over top. Yeah. Well, I remember going to, because you'd go to house parties. Well, probably 94 was a bit early for me. Maybe, no, maybe. But then people would put on a CD and you're right. All eight songs, versions of it would play. And then because you would invariably have some contraband alcohol around. Yeah. It was just play again because no one was fiddling with it. No one was being like a DJ now on Spotify. They were just like, yeah, just keep it playing. It's noise in the background. It was always that thing of either the party was no one cared about it or someone cared too much and you'd hear like 30 (laughs) seconds of a song and then it would change and then it would change. Like fucking just let the song play. Just let it play. Yeah, mate. I'm, I'm sure I was guilty of that at one point. All right, so that's our songs. That's our 10 songs. 100% Hits Volume 12. Let's go through them and see if they're hits or not. Okay, starting with uh, Stay by the band Eternal. Hit or not hit? No, I'm going to have to say no. Sorry, Stay. Groove Thang by Jeanne. Look, I'll say hit. I'm hit. going with it. Yep. You Are the Best Thing by D-Ream. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard because you think in its day it probably was, but right now I can't accept it. No. I Want to Dance by Melody M- MC. No. I like to move it, move it. Fuck no, no, fuck no. no. Shuck a Jam by Culture. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. going with Shuck a Jam. <laughs> Look, it could have been me watching NBL in the 90s, but I'm going with Shuck Culture. Gaze to Copeland. Uh, 
What a Man by Salt and Pepper. Yes. Got to be hit. Twist and Shout by Chuck Demas and Plies. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. I'm Ready by Tevin Campbell. I'm not doing that one either. Let Me Show You by K-Class. Look, I'm going to go with it just because <laughs> it was it brought me back to a time in the late in the early 2000s when I was backpacking. That is four out of ten. Dave, that's the <laughs> lowest we've ever had. Oh, man. This is the lowest. I feel like I've crapped on this whole thing. I didn't... Four- Hey, I've got I've got a ruler. I'm only out of shit on one song. I think I've absolutely like failed today. I think I've shat on a few more songs than just one. Yeah, I shouldn't have been so negative. Maybe it's the cringe culture of I grew up there in that time. Like maybe there's kids that look back on this and go, oh yeah, then it's not bad. When I'm like, oh god, it brings me back to a bad place. Yeah. No, I, I think I think like, you're fair. Like think- 14, I've got a high school at the end of my street, and I look at the boys. <laughs> they're like Picasso paintings You know like they're just not oh. They just Men do not come together quickly Like they just They don't fit And they're gangly And I think that was me in that time So I'm looking at it through that prism And I can barely I'm squinting at it going Oh I don't even want to think about What yeah. I was like then Kids I'm finding kids are so tall now I just don't understand How they're so fucking tall I mean I'm, I know I'm short But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean there's that Alright Hey thanks for doing this uh, you've, got, you've got shows coming up around Hey, well, if the guys, anyone listening to this uh, enjoyed my dribble, follow me on my uh, social media. It's Dave underscore Thorno. That's on Twitter, on Instagram, Dave Thornton Comedy on Facebook and Dave underscore Thorno on the TikToks. And then that'll explain all my touring and stuff. At this point in time, we're just putting all our shows together. But yep. next year, definitely touring. Excellent. Hey, thanks everyone for being Patreon subscribers. You're the absolute best. If you want to see the old podcast, Don't You Know Who I Am, live in Melbourne, I'm doing one on Monday the 24th of October at 7.30 at the Retreat Hotel. It is free. Free to get in. I get paid for every person who goes in though. So rolling in it. As I said last week, you can come in, listen to another podcast while I do my stuff. Just know that I get $8 if you do that. So that's good. And then also, if you're in Sydney, I'm coming back up to Sydney. I'm doing uh, the Vanguard on November 20, which is a Sunday. So I do Don't You Know Who I Am at 1.30. And then I do my show, Josh Earl Talks. So earlier this year, I did uh, I did Modern Contemporary. So this is another new hour of comedy for you, Sydney. So tickets will go on sale very, very soon. May even be by the time uh, this comes up. So check out joshl.com.au for all the tickets. Maybe culture can swing on by. Culture, boys, come along. Please. Come along. We'll talk about Heartbreak High again. Hey, thanks for doing this, Dave. I'll see you next time. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.